Ladies and gentlemen, thems and theys, sluts of all genders, welcome to QBT. I am Maddie Germs. And I am Shawnee. What an introduction. <laughs> we are two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. Mm, we should do a musical episode one day. We should not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at singing. <laughs> I, yeah, we're done. Okay. <laughs> Let's get it started. Try to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> um, so tell me, how's you doing the homework last week? Did you do it? Yeah. I um often wait to do it. I think about it and then I'm like, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that. But I did think about it. And what I came up with, and for a reminder, the homework from last week was um for us to think about a coping strategy or mechanism that maybe isn't serving us in the best way um it doesn't necessarily have to be we talked a lot last episode check out episode five um about healthy and unhealthy and all that jazz but um a coping strategy that maybe wasn't our friend and then something to replace it with and i had a little bit of a hard time thinking of an answer because i was trying to think about I'm in a sort of good place and I've been finding a lot of stuff that's working for me. So trying to further dissect something to work on was a little bit of a internal challenge, I guess. But what I kind of came up with was that I am going to try that when I feel a depression nap coming on or like when I feel like an overwhelming nap coming on to do something else, whether that's shower or bike ride or going on a walk with Jolene, um, and that's a hard balance because like, I don't think every nap that I take is rooted in depression, but like I come from a napping family and I've always been someone who like appreciates them. But as I've gotten older, I definitely recognize when I am doing it to like escape something or because I'm really sad and I just like want to sleep until it's time to like eat dinner and then go back to bed again. You know, it's like a, a thing. So I, um, I'm just going to try to, especially as the sun's coming out, exercise or use my body or something in place of that and also get my um stuff going and we had a couple responses from the dms because i asked everyone on instagram and um our friend carlotta said that she'd like to shift away from retail therapy and steer closer to repurposing and upcycling and i totally feel that i can't believe i didn't talk about online shopping in mm -hmm. last episodes at all because that is something that is very dear and near to my heart. <laughs> and um, but It's a serious cause. You should stand behind it. <laughs> well, not just that. It's also just like <laughs> I get click happy when I like am feeling up and when everything feels good and I've got a little change in my pocket. I'm like, got to spend it, got to get out of here. Um, but I think <laughs> it's a really good challenge and a really good idea to try and work on some upcycling versus jumping straight to that add to cart button, you know? Ooh, what about I you? That, I see that button more and more these days. But nice. Glaring at me. Bro, I you? am broke. I am not okay. spending no money on nothing. But um, no, similar to you, I think that when I start to feel really stressed out or overwhelmed, I shut down. Like, 
you might know this about me. I will just not talk to people. I will close my laptop. I turn off my phone. I go and do not disturb. I mean, yeah. to the point sometimes with people worrying about me and I'm usually fine. I'm just like sitting on my couch. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just will make a very almost conscious effort not to talk to people. Uh-huh. Um, and I know that maybe it's not toxic per se, but I know it's not healthy. And I know that, uh, you know, in our times of need and in our times of, I don't know, going through some serious struggles, reaching out to people and talking to them is helpful and important. Um, so I've been trying to make an effort at getting better at reaching out to people when I'm going through it, or at the very least, not shutting down and just like sitting on the couch watching TV because I'm just that overwhelmed that I don't know where to begin. Um, and instead, journal, go on a walk so that I can sort of like process why I'm so overwhelmed and maybe what the first like step is to not feeling so overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, where's the first task I need to accomplish? Um, that helped this week a little. It's going to take some time. It's also like my default mode. We talked about this last week, right? Like coping mechanisms are things that are pretty much ingrained in us, you know, from sometimes the, the second we're born. So it's been interesting trying to turn that behavior around because it's yeah. just, it's been my go-to for the majority of my life for like 20 years now. It's just like, I'm annoyed. I'm sad. I'm stressed out. I'm experiencing a negative emotion. Shut down, you know? And I think that just, uh, we talked a lot about this last week, so I'm not going to talk too much, but there is definitely something to recognizing. We don't have to beat ourselves up every time that we sit down in front of the TV and don't talk to someone or take a nap. You know, it's more just like, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. And uh, thinking about the win and the, the um the spark to that behavior versus beating ourselves up every time you do that behavior i think that that is not fruitful but i agree we should not beat up on ourselves as much um but listen i'm happy that we both did the homework i'm happy that we both we're on are it. doing better at holding each other accountable that's the yep. key word for today's episode. Ding, ding, um, ding. <laughs> holding each other accountable to this homework. And I hope that you listeners out there are also holding yourselves accountable or at least trying to with this homework and with some of the things that you're hoping to change in your life as well. Yeah. And we say it at the end of every episode, but we love to hear your homework updates. So um, feel free to give us a call at 971-220-8874 if you have any thoughts or updates or gripes or complaints, anything, honey. We'll listen to it. We'll take it. Now let's get into some pop culture because... Well, I was going to say there's a lot going on, but I actually don't think there is. Um, I had to like, de- I had to like scrape the bottom of the barrel. Oh my God. To find some things to talk about. Uh, I feel like I have some tea, but like, it's not like piping. Oh, like, spill it. I'll take some lukewarm tea. Well, I don't know. Did you see Lana Re- Del Rey's dumb shit today? <laughs> no, tell me, please she, tell me. So, okay. I want to start by saying her complaint is not fully invalid. Like, Essentially, she made this long Instagram post that the kind of crux of it was, I have been trying to perform my version of feminism, which has been ridiculed as like glorifying abusive behavior, right? Like sometimes we love bad men and like I, my embodiment of that and in my music has been critiqued and critiqued and critiqued and I'm constantly trying to pay attention to what people are saying. 
And she's like, anyway, I have a new album coming out. But the problem was that she started this whole thing by listing like six black artists and being like, they get to shake their ass and do whatever they want. And then I, and that's how she started. Exactly, exactly. And you guys can't see this, but Shawnee's face is like wide open. Exactly. Are you it's, fucking kidding? No, okay. she, named Nikki. she named Nikki, she named Beyonce, she named, and then of course, like she named Ariana. So Ariana's at home, like, oh, the black folks are working. <laughs> but like, uh, she, it's really not that like, uh, she is, wrong to state that she has been overlooked the problem with her and many other white women is that in order to make their point they disparage women of color in the process yes and, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so um you know i am just waiting for mrs elia banks to come out of the closet and read her ass to filth which might have happened by the time that this episode has come out but i love when lana talks about how uh, or I mean, when Azalea talks about how Lana's like a fake white witch and all that shit, like oh it, my it cracks me up. I love it. Anyway, so like that is just like pop culture tea, I guess this week. But she's just, I mean, we talked about Tyra last week. She is, has been like my Tiffany in a lot of ways. I've always been like, I'm rooting for you. I like fucking, I've wanted her to be amazing since video games. Like mm. I loved that early part of her career. I love Born to Die. And then ever since then, there's been a couple hits here and there, but as like an entire album, I'm like, this is putting me to sleep. This is nighttime. Someone on Twitter called them uh, cocaine carols. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, it's I'm just not like, real put my ass to sleep if I'm on Yeah. Program. She's just a sleepy time bitch, and uh, she's just being fucking stupid today. And then she's she tried so to cover it to basically be like, I love these girls. They're my friends. I mention them because I know them and respect them. And it's like, okay, we get it. You have black friends. Like, she just got done dating a cop. It must have, like, his this cop. Too, you're, you're saying too many things. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> she's been dating this hot cop, and, like. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so she's, much. <laughs> she's fully just driving, driving towards irrelevance. But I really. I'm done talking about her. I Oh, I did want to name that um, on our Instagram, we had a poll about like last week's Team Molly or Team Issa. I feel like everyone mostly agreed with us that Issa is the one who maybe has a bit of a leg up in this argument. There was a couple Team Molly folks that I... Who are they? I was confused. <laughs> um, I don't, well, well, one was our friend Laura, but then to be fair, she said that she hadn't l seen the Block Party episode, which was where everything turned. Like, it was a setup of, oh, like, okay. potentially we can maybe side with Molly, especially because of, like, you know, she ignored her at Thanksgiving and all that stuff. But, yeah, I was, I was like, um, did you, did you see the same thing I did? Because, like, I think she's <laughs> being a fucking brat. But, Laura, but, we just um, put you on blast. I hope, you, <laughs> I hope you can defend your statement because I'm going to call you right after this. <laughs> Team Issa all the way. If you voted for Molly, let's see if you're still voting for Molly after the last, well, what? Episode on Sunday, what the this most recent Sunday wasn't the block party. There was like the aftermath sort of. No, when she sees her at that restaurant and doesn't go inside, which I have done before. <gasps> oh, yeah, that's right. I'm done that shit. I love to see people that I'm not talking to in a restaurant because I just walk inside and don't talk to them. If I know I'm going to see them, I'm fine with that. But if it's a surprise, I'm like, mm. I fully opened a door one time, made eye contact with someone. I was like, nope, closed it <laughs> and went somewhere else. I was like, that's not, <laughs> not doing that. I think I almost love that more. <laughs> I, um, the best part about that episode, though, is when she takes that art piece and slams it over that girl's head. I was so mad that wasn't real. 
I'm so mad. <laughs> Me too. I was like, oh shit. Oh wait, no. Mm -hmm. Just a dream. Just a dream. Speaking of just a dream, evidently Ruby Rose's career was a dream. <laughs> oh my God. So listen, I, Ruby Rose is Ruby Rose, whatever. I know her from Orange is the New Black, saw her there. I think she was like an MTV VJ in like Australia. I don't even know where she's from. But I feel like I first saw her in a music video. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know Ruby Rose personally. I don't know her pronouns. True. I believe that they are gender fluid, so don't, I just am prefacing all of this when I talk about Ruby Rose, not 100% sure. So please don't come from my throat. Um, but she, they quit Batwoman after one season. And I mean, I don't watch Batwoman. I'm actually not a huge like DC Comics fan. I'm a more of a Marvel guy over here, a Marvel man. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just insane. Like, and I think it's even more insane because she was sort of this it was a big deal when she got cast at this yeah. right it was a big deal when they made that woman lesbian which mm -hmm. i was all for um mm -hmm. and then the fact that they cast somebody who actually belongs right like that belongs to the queer community mm -hmm. whether they identify as lesbian or not still it's progress i think that well that became a whole big thing about like her tension with the show is when she got cast mm -hmm. there was all these people who were like she's not a lesbian she's this gender fluid but like sexually fluid and she was like how how am i excluded from hollywood for being too butch too lesbian <laughs> right and then now i'm not lesbian enough to play batwoman i think that she misunderstood some of the response and some of, and it was a little bit of like unrighteous twitter anger too yeah but her response to it was kind of weird so she just left twitter so like she's been having a rough year and i guess it got rougher because she quit batwoman i she didn't give her a reason she didn't say like it was because of the showrunner and we didn't get along or because all of that Twitter drama, it literally, she just said, it's been great. It's awesome doing this. Like I'm excited to see where the show goes. Exactly. Some shady shit went down in the background. I guarantee y'all. I um, feel like she didn't like doing the show very much. And then that made her hard to work with. And then yeah. they were just like, are you sure you want to do this girl? We're not firing you, but and she's like, no, I'm good. I'm out. <laughs> well, the good news is, they are still committed to replacing her with a lesbian. That's great. <laughs> so that, that woman's not changing, and whoever they find to replace Ruby Rose will still be a, a queer woman. That'd be or great. Queer woman. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So that's awesome. I'm happy. I am just happy with that progress from Hollywood because first and foremost, this whole thing could have just been cast with like a straight white woman, and it would have just been that. We would have been mad about it, and Hollywood would have just been would have been like, oh, we don't fucking care. Mm -hmm. Look at what's that man's name, Darren Chris. <laughs> they don't fucking care did you know lord lord is alive she's still on this planet the singer lord not jesus christ <laughs> the actual singer um i didn't good good for them good for them good for lord <laughs> were you missing lord at all even a little bit no me either i um i like i liked that like first song royals like i mean i liked the debut and i can tell she's talented i have I was just seeing everyone being like, oh my God, she's coming with the new album. And I was like, yeah, like I didn't, didn't need that. <laughs> no, I agree. That first album was, I really like that first album. It's great. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of, I think I can listen to that first album, like beginning to end and won't like. It's good. Long. Second album, what was it? I think it's called Melodrama. And I, I mean, the people ate it up and loved it. I just, I think I listened to it once and never came back to it. It doesn't mean it's yeah. bad. I just, I didn't pick it up. 
I definitely to this day will still listen to that first album. That second album, I ask me to name a song, I can't do it. Maybe it's Melodrama, the title of the album is one of the songs. I don't know. I forgot I really liked that Tennis Court song too. Yeah, yeah. That's a cute song. I like that album. It's cute. White Teeth Teens, I think is my favorite yeah. song on that first album. I, I, have so no, I have no hatred toward Lord in my heart. I just don't have her living there. Yeah, this is not a shady Lord read. This is just a Oh, Lord is around again. I wasn't, I wasn't missing her, but I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> I feel like we got Troy Sivan and everyone's like, is that Lord or what? Who's... Did she come back as... Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I was just making a joke about like Twinkie Australians. Oh my gosh. How are you feeling about the, speaking of teen pop stars, how are you feeling about the Charlie XCX album? Because I like it. I, man, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know, I feel like if you, if you're not into PC music, if you're not into bleep lorps, like you're not going to like it. But into what? Bleep lorps. You know, just like if, <laughs> if your idea isn't music, of music isn't like putting microchips in a blender like it may not be your thing but for me i mean the self-titled charlie was my favorite album last year i wore that shit out and um you know ever since pop 2 where she's been like i'm a pop star who is just playing with experimental sounds who's like working with sophie and you know she's doing a lot with ag cook and i just for her to come out with an album that is like all done in quarantine. She had all these, like, all this fan input. She was doing Zoom meetings with people all the time. I watched one with uh, Sophie Anderson, one of the, the MILF, uh, the Cock Destroyer women. Oh. And, and Sophie Anderson was, like, talking to Charlie. And then she's like, hold on, I brought a guest. And then pulls out a potato with a face on it. And just <laughs> starts, like, laughing. And Charlie is, like, exhausted from being up all night writing this album. And is just like, that's funny. All right, next person. <laughs> like, <laughs> not about it. Um, it was really funny. But uh, I, I love it. She's giving us, like, the emotions of quarantine, the emotions mm-hmm. of being a party girl who's falling in love. And, like, that is a confusing. As a party girl who has fallen in love, it's confusing. <laughs> like, it's a really confusing place to be. And then, yeah, I mean, I think there's something... Uh, really beautiful to the romanticizing of missing friends and like missing the love of friendship and it's done in this party way like that song anthems that is so self-aware that it gives itself an anthem and titles it's so good it's so good i listened to it and i was thinking like oh this song is about wanting a song (laughs) like during this like pandemic i don't know it was smart i really like the album too it definitely caught me off guard i I like Charlie XCX. That what did you call it? Bleep blorp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, PC music. Yeah, that. Uh, it was a bit jarring at first. Um, well, Pink Diamond also, comes in hard. It comes in so hard. I, I was. Go hot. I, just I was in my car, not going to do anything except go get weed. But I was in my car, and I was like, "Let me just put this on with my full like sound yeah. system instead of just like listening to it on." You're like, like we're turning up, not down. <laughs> turn it up in this car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put that song on Pink Diamonds and was just like, oh, my ears hurt and my brain hurts too. And that doesn't feel normal. But then I, I like, I was able to sort of, what's the word? My brain was able to meld with it a little bit more. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I'm into this now. And mm-hmm. then I listened to the entire thing from beginning to end. And I've just been doing that for the last few days. So me too. It's the only thing I've listened to all week. Yeah. If you, if you don't listen to Charlie XCX or you haven't heard this album yet, 
for me, Shawnee, I give it past Pink Diamonds. That might be a bit jarring if you're not used to it, but it's a great album. You're just going to be caught off guard. Um, I will say, I think the order is a little mixed up. Like, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have a good flow of that more introspective kind of emo auto-tune Charlie and then back up. Like, it doesn't know what it's doing with that, but that's how quarantine is a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's supposed to be this, like, reflection on quarantine. She made it in, like, two months or whatever yeah and i mean shout out to her giving us the quarantine album that we like want right for all us well not us i'm not this anymore for all us party girls and party boys out there this is the album for you it is okay let's talk about perfume genius which i have not listened to and i think for some reason perfume genius is a name i only just heard like a week ago <laughs> yeah i feel like um i just wanted to mention i've only had one listen through and it's funny because it is the complete opposite vibe of charlie like it's it's a very oh. romantic sounding album this uh, perfume genius is a very queer beautiful like soundscape pop artist kind of like it, it's just a different type of thing that song queen is kind of like the most famous one and then recently though i can't remember the title of it there was one song that was used on like three tv shows on netflix so they had like a you've heard song but it, you just mm -hmm. may not know what it is obviously i can't remember what it is but i love the fact that there is more and more and more big queer artists and even if you don't know this name you've heard his music and um also one time i accidentally had brunch with him and didn't know who he was until like months later when that song came out and i was watching the music video and i was like that's like i had brunch with that <laughs> like was it did y'all just have brunch together you and i them? was visiting a friend who knew him and he was like i want to see uh, my friends he just got back from tour but i was like it's seattle i just figured like you know everyone goes on tour it's like everybody's on tour i'm yeah. we're gonna go on tour yeah yes exactly anyway uh perfume genius's new album is really pretty i'm excited to give it more of a like a, a multiple listen to kind of soak it up but it's beautiful yeah okay i will give it a listen like i said this is a name i Maybe it's one of those things, like you said, where I've heard the song on shows before. Maybe the name has been floating around, but I feel like they just were having, or he was just having a really big banner week recently because the name just kept popping up on most websites that I visit. And I was just like, who the fuck is this? And yeah. why should I care? But I right, feel like sold me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if you've never heard any of Perfume Genius's music, just Google the music video for Queen. It's, um, uh, there's a line in it that's like, the families. Uh, oh, never mind. Oh, dang it. This oh, is dang, girl. Uh, We're going to uh, get our musical episode. It's happening. No family is safe when I sashay. That's the line. <laughs> and it's like, it's just no, a really. I need you to sing it. I need you to sing it. No family is safe when I sashay. It's great. <laughs> um, oh, my God. <laughs> Rina Sawayama released a new video for Bad Friend, and she does like, um, she like dresses like as a man and then um does this like battle it's like a black and white noir film just watch the new music video it's great um also shawnee have you ever seen josie and the pussycats from 2001 the movie yeah yeah probably back in 2001 uh-huh so i hadn't seen it since i was like a kid either it, it definitely came out when i was a child and i rewatched it last night it's amazing it? it's so good it's i don't like, believe you <laughs> well it's camp i mean it's full camp it is like um it's, it's that girl from uh she's all that she's in that right 
Uh-huh. And it's Rosario Dawson and oh, Tara Reid and oh, Parker shit. Posey and Alan Cummings. Okay, I'm sold. Fine. I'm going to watch that again. <laughs> it's so good. It's basically just this critique on the music industry and a critique on capital- capitalism, but it does it by, like, getting, like, 900 corporate sponsorships. Like, everyone has a can of Coke in their hand. Every- it's, like, MTV is prominent, but essentially it's this, the plot of the movie is that the music industry has been killing off rock stars for years and then putting subliminal messaging and advertising in it and then it just put that framework and then up comes Josie and the Pussycats. It's the best like Riverdale. It's like bright and kind of fun like the comic but it's very 2001 kind of like mm-hmm. punky fuck you as yeah. opposed to all the Riverdale spinoffs now which is like what if the Archie kids fucked you know <laughs> and murdered somebody exactly they were doing that though right okay anyway, Josie and the cute. Pussycats I'm down I haven't watched the movie in revisit so it Honestly, Parker Posey just mentioned that name, and I'm like, done. I'm watching it. I'll watch Parker Posey do anything. I like me think anything. <laughs> I want. I kind of like when I was watching it. I imagined that it was kind of an unofficial sequel to Party Girl, where like she just graduates from <laughs> and, like, to become a uh, like movie, like a a secret mogul of MTV. Oh my god! You know what I want to see? What I would pay good money to see if it doesn't already exist is a Parker Posey, Elizabeth Banks like thing. Blue, my dog is barking in the background. If you hear that, um, <laughs> a Parker Posey, Elizabeth Banks movie where they are like the headliners and their sisters because they sort of look like each other and they sort of have the same kind of humor. Yeah, I mean, I'll, like I said, I'll watch Parker Posey do anything. Do you want to take a quick break? Let's do it and come back and do some work because we've been having too much fun. Okay, Shawnee, welcome back. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back, sluts. Oh, my God. We're here. Um, We didn't leave you. We didn't leave you. Don't worry. Don't worry, baby. Um, (laughs) So... For those of you who have been listening to the beginning, number one, thank you. Number two, um, Shawnee and I have sort of tried to make the flow of these episodes um, work as when we mention a word or a topic three to seven times in an episode, we're like, huh, this must be on our minds. So let's make this what we talk about next episode. Um, And uh, that showed up for us when we were talking about coping mechanisms and it's showing up for this us this week when we are talking about the concept of accountability so um i think that we've mentioned it in connection to our homework but uh we were also mentioning it last time um and when we were kind of talking about the we're here and the connection to uh those relationships with people about accountability to community um but Shawnee, when we're thinking about accountability, when we're thinking about mental health, how do those connect for you? Okay, like, let's look at it like this. We have titled this segment of the podcast, The Work. Mm. It's very much so, we did that for a reason. It mirrors what happens in therapy. There is a good chunk of a therapy session, if you are unaware, that is just, it's work. It's you Mm. working on yourself, it's you talking through the shit you need to talk to with that therapist. Um, And usually what comes out of that work is something for you to ponder, something for you to maybe even take and apply to your life, similar to the homework I give you guys, hint, hint. Um, 
But none of that matters. None of it matters if you are not holding yourself or being held accountable for the things that you need to do to like, quote unquote, improve your life or your Mm -hmm. well-being or your mental health. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's what the connection is. It is if you you suffer from mental illness or a situation or a stressor or just a circumstance that is just constantly around and then you're getting sort of whether it's advice, whether it's just you coming to become, you becoming more aware of like your part in all of this and then wanting to do something to change that. None of that is going to matter. I say this all the time. Awareness is just the first part. Like Mm -hmm. you have to actually take action and do something about it. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you come to me saying, I know I messed up. Cool. So what you going to do about it? Like I don't, you could apologize all day. And then if you're going to do something about it, how are you holding yourself accountable to doing the thing? How are you making sure that you're not being, getting away with being lazy about it or just not doing it at all? Um, Which is one of the reasons why I ask at the top of every episode, like, how do we do on the homework? Because that is what accountability is. It is doing your part for yourself, not necessarily for anybody else. And we can get into this as well, but when somebody else is holding you accountable, what does that mean if you're the person that's supposed to be holding somebody else accountable? Mm -hmm. If you're the, uh, the accountee in the, I don't know, we're not going to go down that road, but you know, that's, that's what it means to me is that none of this work matters if nobody's holding you accountable to it and you're just letting it sit there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is absolutely true. And I think that, you know, the, what is accountability sort of is, um, there's a way to think of it of like someone or yourself or your therapist calling you on your shit, right? It's like, it's naming behavior that maybe is contradictory to what goal you set for self, you goal you set for yourself, what promise you've made to someone or keeping yourself accountable to your values or your community's values. Right. And it's, it's ideally an act of love, right? Like if you don't give a shit about someone, why would you want to keep them accountable? You know, like, um, cause punishment is a different thing, you know, like a response to someone that's done something wrong with you and you're trying to make them pay. That is not the same thing as accountability in my yeah. book in the way that I think about it. When I think about accountability, I'm thinking about, I care about you so much, or I care about me so much that exactly I want to do better because it sees accountability sort of sees hopefulness, right? It sees a potential for something different, either in an interpersonal relationship or just within yourself. Um, I know there's a lot that goes into holding yourself accountable and trying to hold somebody else accountable. You have to have a really good grasp of the thing that isn't working, right? And I'm going to connect this to the last episode. Like this is the reason why we're talking, why we were talking about coping mechanisms and, um, then trying to replace toxic or negative or unhealthy ones with positive ones, we can talk to we're blue in the face about what that looks like and what it means and our thoughts around it. But if we're not implementing it, if we're not doing the thing, so for instance, if you're saying, Maddie, that you don't, you are trying to not take naps or go to sleep when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed out about something, mm-hmm. how are you holding yourself accountable to that? And if you're not doing it, how is somebody else doing it, right? And then what does that look like? What does that accountability actually like look like, right? Like, is it 
is it you yelling at yourself? That doesn't seem helpful. Is it somebody else like texting you and being like, are you awake or asleep right now? Get off the fucking couch. Like get up and do mm-hmm. something. Is that helpful? Right? Like there's, yeah. there's a way to, a way of going about this. And I just think sometimes the missing piece for a lot of people when they are trying to make a positive change in their life is the accountability part, right? Because I'm, we're always going to revert right back to the thing we were doing before if, and it's twofold, if you don't have something positive to replace it with, and then if there's nobody there and maybe that's you yourself, but if there's nobody there, including you to like, hold you accountable to doing the thing. Like we're all going to be the same person we were yesterday and the day before that and the day before that if we lack that accountability, if we lack the ability to set expectations for ourselves, figure out how to measure that expectation, and then look at what is the outcome from accomplishing that thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think that some people sometimes have a a, a stronger internal accountability thing like I don't always you know like I it's why sometimes I have a hard time writing things down or uh saying things out loud or I want to make sure that whatever I'm saying is like whatever I absolutely believe or um obviously this podcast (laughs) is an example of challenging that for me but um I think that some people have a stronger internal accountability thing where they can say like to themselves, I'm not going to eat carbs this week. And then they don't. Or like they can say to themselves, I am going to run every day this week. And they don't. I have to like tell someone like, because I am more fearful of the embarrassment of not coming through on what I've said than I am of letting myself down, which is like, you know, whether that's good or bad, it's just something I know about myself, you know? And like, so it's like, if I tell my partner something, if I tell my friends, sometimes if something's going to be really hard for me, I make sure to tell like three people (laughs) because then I'm like, well, I will have at least three people that potentially will ask about that for me. I mean, grad school is a great example. Um, Last year or whenever I applied, I had been coming up on like this third year of potentially not applying, letting my anxiety get the worst of me. And I told myself, I was like, you're going to do it this year. And one way you're for sure going to do it is you're going to reach out to three people for references and you're going to be too embarrassed to pull out after you've asked for references. So it's going to happen. And it did, you know, I mean, but that was a way to keep myself accountable was bring people who love me or care about me into my decision-making into my betterment of self, you know? I agree. And I think that, I mean, this podcast is an exercise in accountability. (laughs) We'll give you a peek behind the curtain. Maddie texts me like every day asking me about this podcast and it's not annoying. Annoying. No, it's not. It's actually not. It is actually a good way of me sometimes pulling myself out of the bullshit I'm dealing with that doesn't matter or that I am a little less emboldened and impassioned about um, and realize like, Sean, you signed up for this podcast because you told yourself you were going to do something you were passionate about. And like, look at you trying to like dip out, not dip out on it, but like not giving it the priority that it deserves, you know, since you said you wanted to do this thing. And it's been helpful, at least for me on my end. I think that us pulling this off and making sure that we're doing every single episode is accountability, right? And I think that like I started the episode off, it's been a rough seven days. Today was better, but there's a clear expectation for me to get on this microphone the day that we're going to record. And I know that like, if I'm having a seriously rough day, I can just tell you, girl, it ain't happening today. But (laughs) 
that accountability, like you reaching out, you asking about the time, you saying like, all right, let's do this, let's do that. Like one, isn't you treating it as like, and I think this is what the word you're going after is, you're not treating it as like discipline. You're not saying like, you need to be disciplined or punished if you don't do this or it has to happen on this day. But you are aware of what we both wanted to accomplish with this and what it means to both of us and what it's going to do to sort of positively change our lives on the outcome. Mm -hmm. So you're holding me, just as I'm sure you're holding yourself, accountable to making sure that we do this every single week. That um, tie to discipline is like, it messed up accountability for me as a kid. My parents were very discipline-oriented parents, and I think that that is pretty common in the South and especially in Christian culture and of a certain time, right? Um, and I, I didn't want to do the wrong thing because I didn't want to get punished versus I didn't want to do the wrong thing because it wasn't connected to my values. And I think that when I think about accountability now, I think of it as like a mirror of truth. It's like, or like a recorder. It's like, remember you said this, or like, remember you believe this, mm -hmm. or remember you care about this. Yeah. Um, and it's just, hopefully these acts of labor and love. Um, and then obviously, you know, something as light as that is different than the type of accountability that we might have when we're talking about like community restoration, you know? I mean, not everyone who's listening or honestly, Shawnee, I don't even know about you, but like I, I am more on the side of prison abolition and I am on the side of getting rid of this system that punishes people and really thinking about what does it mean to show people love and bring them in and remind them of the values of community? And obviously that's like going to be a really hard transition when people don't give a shit about shit and kill people who they want. Obviously I get that. But when we think about restorative justice and when we think about um, social justice or when we think about, um, okay, fucking Lana Del Rey right now, white womaning around, there's a way to hold her accountable, which is like show her examples of how her comment is tied to historical trauma. Show her examples of how what she's saying is out of pocket and wrong mm -hmm. and then invite her into a better future. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, and a way to hold her accountable is to like see what she does next and continue to remind her of what she said she was going to do better or not. And I have no idea about what kind of fucking apology she has or not has not made. But I think we all can attest to having witnessed white women, white womening, and not being held accountable for their bullshit. Well, you know, I, and, have, like, I have stories for days. We can have four episodes about white women, white womening. <laughs> there's white, there's white gay men who do the same thing. You know, I mean, there's like, there's lots of uh, things. I mean, you talked about this when we were talking about the whiteness of Portland. You know, like uh, part of that frustration is that sort of invincibility to be able to move throughout life without ever being held accountable. Mm -hmm. You can kind of fail up, yeah. right? Um, so community accountability is one thing. And honestly, that may be something even for a longer episode, but one portion of mental health and accountability is the relationship with your therapist, right? That is a professional, you're paying someone to keep you accountable in some ways, you know, like if your therapist isn't calling you on your shit, they may not be the best therapist, honestly, no. especially if you're continuously upset with your decisions, you know, and the beginning of therapy is kind of getting to know you. But like, if you know someone, if someone's heard you talk about your mistakes or what you want to do better over and over and over, and you come in many sessions saying what you don't want to do, and you come into a session after like six months 
and you say the same thing that you did at yeah, session like, one, I'm gonna stop. your therapist. I want to stop fucking this boy. Like, I can't. I just, I, he's not good for me. He's a fuck boy, which is why I'm fucking him. He looks good, but he treats me like mm-hmm. shit. If you've been saying that for mm-hmm. six months to the same person and they haven't, and you, ha- none of that behavior has changed, and whether they're offering anything or not, you might want to re-examine that. And I feel the same way right. as like a friend. Like if you yeah. saying the same thing, if you, let's use your example, Maddie. Like if you, not that I was privy to this, but if you had been coming to me, every week talking about going back to school, going back to school, back to school, going right. back to school. And I didn't see it happen over the course of like a year or two. Then at some point it's like, well, who am I as a friend to you? If I'm not like calling you on your shit and saying like, mm-hmm. dude, you've been saying this for a while. Are you actually going to do it? And like, mm-hmm. that's how I would say it because that's just me as Sean. I don't think that everything has to come across like that. And I hope I know yeah. that you don't take that as me being like, fuck you. It's like, no. Well, there's also a difference too between asking someone and then shaming them once you know. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the asking that needs to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just that reminder. Um, I think that there is something to be wary of when we think about accountability where self-righteous people feel the need to keep everyone around them accountable. Mm-hmm. But what that really becomes That's control. is- that, control. That word is control. Yep. Like- you can yep. paint it any way you want to, but that is just a person trying to control somebody else's lifestyle and outcome. And we're not here for any of that. <laughs> like, right. The only person you can control is yourself and people can barely mm-hmm. do that shit. <laughs> I, I, I think true accountability has to have a few tenants. I think one of those tenants is relationship. Like that relationship has to be cultivated and it has to be not necessarily long, you know, it, like, um, there could be short-term kind of relationships that are very intentional and accountable to mm-hmm. each other. Um, I think that it also has to be like a labor of love. I think that you really have to think about accountability as centering on care. There's this conversation about uh, how to keep folks with mental illness accountable. Like mm-hmm. how, what does it mean when someone is suffering with overwhelming depression and anxiety or is bipolar or is manic depressive those types of uh diagnosis can sometimes result in poor behavior Mm -hmm. and often poor behavior is what takes people to therapy in the first place they're watching their decisions impact their life in a negative way you know and then you know you might have a more like neurotypical person who has a relationship with someone who is atypical Um, And not necessarily like learning disability, but maybe like some sort of cognitive, how does that relationship, how does accountability work there, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't have perfect answers, but I think that it is simultaneously okay to say folks with mental illness don't get let off the hook. And folks who don't experience that do have to create some space for mistake and some space for opportunities for correction and i think sometimes unfortunately more space for the pattern to manifest for the other person to kind of recognize it themselves Um, y'all are gonna hate me for this because this is just an ethos i stand behind and maybe it's because i've worked in mental health and maybe it's because i have my own mental health things that i deal with on a regular basis as it pertains to depression and anxiety but Get that shit out of here. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's, for me, the way I look at it is if you are using a diagnosis as a crutch, then that first and foremost is the issue. Like, that in and of itself is the thing that needs to change because 
it's, I get it. I get that it's something that impacts your life and it impacts your life probably very much so significantly, but that is not, and I, I get how this sounds and I know it fucking sucks, but that is not holding you back per se. Right. Like I know it's easy to externalize your your illness and treat it like a to project the things that aren't happening for you onto that and say that that's the thing that it is. But I think that that very easily turns into people using it as a crutch and then it suddenly becomes I can't do X, Y, Z because of this. And it's like, well, that's not the reason why. Is that an impact? Is that something that we need to consider with you like changing a behavior? Absolutely. I'm not going to discount that. I'm not going to say like you suffering from depression absolutely will make it more difficult for you to go out and submit an application at a store. I absolutely get that. But that is not the one thing absolutely keeping you from doing that, especially if you've been working with a therapist that is trying to get a better understanding of what that is and is working with you to figure out what are some skills and what are some uh, strategies that we can put into place that like help that. And I think that that is a very clear difference between using a mental illness as a crutch or not wanting to be held accountable to it versus like actually doing work with your therapist and being held accountable and actually like making a difference. And again, I know that's going to touch some people's nerves, but I think the way you, it's about a, it's about a reframing of how you're looking at your mental illness, which again is something that you should be working with your therapist on. I hear what you're saying about the crutch thing. And um, I, I definitely agree to some extent. I, I, my hesitation is not in, whether or not that's truthful or not. My hesitation is how people who don't experience these things hear that, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and my hesitation is one way to keep folks accountable is to make sure they're working with a mental health professional, but you are not that mental health professional. You know what mm. I mean? Like, like so, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. People should not be uh, held to different standards, but I, and that's not what I meant. I can, totally hear how that sounded. I think what I meant is more to what you're saying, which is like, you should, if you're making decisions over and over that are harming those around you or harming yourself or just not getting you to the place that you want to be, yes, don't, don't lean on the fact that you can't do it when there are potential opportunities, whether that is peer relationships, other people who experience things like you, like, we talked about therapy and we said this since the beginning, but therapy is not the only way to get better, right. right? You know, it is one way and that's our lens. So that's how we frame things, but that isn't the only way. I think that peer relationships and community relationships are ways to kind of hold each other accountable. Mentorships are really great for this as well. And sometimes really good friendships. And I just, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the whole thing you're bringing up here as well is collaboration, right? Like ah, yeah, yeah. the thing I'm bringing up here isn't, I'm not saying, fuck you if you have a mental illness, don't use that shit as a crush. <laughs> That's never what I'm hey, saying. I'm gonna go, what yeah. I'm saying <laughs> is that I hold very little. And I think that people, regardless if you're the person holding somebody accountable, you are allowed also to get frustrated with people when they yeah. are just completely ignoring you. And I think that- You're allowed to get frustrated with, with yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I also want to speak towards being on the other end of that and experiencing somebody who, there's a plan in place. We collaborated on this. You agreed to it. You understand the consequences. You say you want to make a difference. You're doing all this. And then in that actual moment, they drop the ball. And again, it's not to say that if they drop the ball, 
you come at their throat and you're just like, well, you're a terrible person, blah, 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 blah. It shouldn't be that, right? I'm also saying like, it, it's not about being the person holding somebody accountable and then screaming or yelling at them or shaming them for the fact that they didn't do the thing. It's about the whole thing about accountability is it's a collaboration. If you're the person that wants to, if you want a, that's the key point is you have to want to be held accountable. Like I'm not gonna hold you accountable if like you don't, or if you're not aware of it and you don't give a shit, right? Like I'm not gonna waste my energy and my time on that. If like you have no intention of changing the behavior and that is point, that's the number one point I think everybody has to be aligned on and sort of understanding. Right. I think too many times we think a behavior needs to change. So we're like holding somebody accountable to something that they didn't agree to like changing or that yeah. they didn't agree yeah. to being like an issue. And that's what creates. And I don't want that to be the takeaway from this. Like, don't go creating goals for people without talking to them. That they didn't set themselves. Yeah, like yeah. That's what gets you into the issue of if somebody's quote unquote using depression as a crutch, but you haven't talked to them about that at all, but you're just like, well, my expectation is this and like, you didn't do it. So now I'm going to make you feel shitty about okay. yourself. You know, like- I'm on board. I get that. There's yeah. a difference between that and just having a conversation with somebody and somebody honestly saying, I suffer from depression. That makes it difficult for me to get out of bed when I'm having a rough day. I know that that's an issue and I'm on the verge of losing my job because of it. I would like to do something about that. And then- mm -hmm you working with that person to say, here's what we do about it. And then they say, hey, I actually think that works. And then if they drop the ball, again, it's not you screaming or yelling at them and saying, hey, I thought we had an agreement here about this thing. Right. Totally cool. Let's try to figure out what we can do to make that work for yeah. you in the future. But all of that is to say, that's a clear difference between somebody that is just, I am anxious, so therefore I'm just not going to do any of the stuff you're asking me to do. Yeah. And like, that's just what it is. And you can't convince me otherwise. That for me is what yeah. I say is using something as a crutch is like, you're using it as crutch for me equals excuse. You're using it as an excuse to not do something. And we have to be really aware of when something's an excuse. And when something is, I am just not putting in the work. And it's like that simple. It's sometimes it's that black and white. Like I'm just using this as an excuse and I just, or I, could not do the work because of XYZ happening as well. Mm -hmm. oh. I think, oh God, my closet almost <laughs> killed me. I, um, I, I, think, um, I think something you're talking to is um, accountability cannot be placed on someone. We said this before, but consent is a big part mm -hmm. of it. Um, uh, in some of our research, I don't know, there was a Psychology Today article that um, kind of names these tenants of being like, clear expectations and clear capability mm -hmm. like you can't you shouldn't agree to something that you're not capable to you shouldn't ask someone to agree to something that they're not capable yeah. of and then the other things around like clear measurement and clear consequences I think those are beautiful takeaways one thing that I kind of wanted to maybe end on is this idea of like clear feedback and um I think people get into this really bad habit of only opening themselves up to feedback when they've done something wrong. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, or it comes thrust upon them when they've done something wrong and they're like, I didn't ask for this. And it's like, well, yeah, you didn't. That's the point. And I think that there's something really beautiful about having people in your life, whether that's a therapist, whether that's an audience <laughs> to a podcast or a friend I'm making a podcast with or my partner or my family or my community or the law, whatever it is, like, where I'm going to open myself up to feedback, maybe when I think things are going well, 
you know, like I might go to dinner with my friend and I might say, we've had a really amazing few months. I've really enjoyed this, this, and this about our friendship. What's working for you? And that sounds like so clinical and weird, but at the same time, it makes those things more beautiful and stronger because one, it's an acknowledgement of what you appreciate about someone, Mm -hmm. but it also opens these lanes of communication so that when feedback comes, that's maybe a little sharp, it doesn't hurt as much because you already have that understanding, that relationship that we talk about these things with each other. And I think that when people hear feedback, sometimes it's like the red lines on a paper they've written when I have tried to especially in the last like five or so years of my life switch my thinking of feedback to just like uh, um welcomed truth <laughs> I don't know yeah. that was maybe like a, a bad thing but, wow, but that's like that what I'm so talking about welcome to truth <laughs> welcome to truth are you um i don't know no i agree and i again it's about that collaboration and so definitely about the capabilities and leaning into wanting wanting to be held responsible for like your actions and i think that again all of this is just step one with being held accountable is being aware of the thing and the actual desire consent and want to like change something and then reaching out for that and then to your point, when like feedback is given, it does it can be positive feedback, right? I think some of the most impactful feedback I've gotten in my life from friends is, Sean, we really like it when you're like fun and bubbly or like when, you know, your presence lights up a room when you're in that mood, right? And I understand that my depression gets in the way of that sometimes. And it's not to say that like, well, when I'm depressed, I'm just going to put up a mask and pretend like I'm great for everybody else because that's what that's doing for them. No, it just means to say that like, okay, I'm, I understand how I'm coming off when I'm not suffering depression. I understand how I'm coming off when I am suffering from depression. And I like who I am when I'm not suffering from depression. So let me work with somebody to see like what I can do about that. And I don't have the answer. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and act like, this is what you do when you're depressed and you don't want to be depressed anymore. And this is how you're held accountable to it. It's different from every single person. I think we've, that we've done some really good framework for thinking about accountability. I think that we wanted to kind of talk about it now because it is such an important part of, quote, the work. It's so integral to moving forward and moving past your bad patterns. And if we're talking about coping mechanisms last week, maybe tell someone about what you're wanting to change this week to help keep you accountable to that goal. Does that feel good? That feels great. We're almost ready to come back again. All right, do you want to take some meds? Mm, I need some after that. <laughs> What's your cocktail this week? What you doing? Um, I'm finding comfort in the predictable. Uh, and that's coming from, I'm watching this really stupid sitcom. It's the dumbest show in the world, but for some reason it is giving me such comfort right now. It's called Young right. and Hungry. It's on Netflix. I think it was a show on Freeform, which is that Disney teenager channel, um, to right. give you a sense of this sort of humor. Um, I mean, it's really like TV 14. They talk about sex and alcohol and drugs pretty often. So right up my I watch cartoons. It's yeah. Fine. Um, no, but I'm, I'm just finding comfort in the predictable with the fact that nothing is predictable these days. So being able to sit down and just go mind numb for like two hours, just watching a sitcom that every single episode, I'm like, this is how this show is going to end. <laughs> um, what nice. is it about? 
oh my god is this girl it's based on i guess somebody's true story that's like a food blogger it's this woman she's in san francisco she's a chef but she's young and like i think she's like 20 something and like broke as fuck she lives with um a roommate in an apartment she gets a job as like a personal chef to some like tech startup billionaire um okay duh of course they fall in love with each other because that's just how these sitcoms go um and it's a very you know will they won't they type of thing um but i love the show because i don't know if you know who kim whitley is but kim whitley is like a black legend like if you look her up and look at her face you're gonna be like damn that woman is in everything like she is in Mm -hmm. everything and she's also just a phenomenal person she's raising I just know this from, I think she has a show called Raising Whitley, um, like a reality show. And she's raising some kid that I don't think is hers. um, And she doesn't have any kids and she didn't have to be raising this kid, but she's like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Um, And she's an actress and she's older now, but you probably know her from, I don't think she's in Friday. I think she's in next Friday or the Friday after next. She's in a bunch of stuff, but like deliver us deliver from, from Eva. Eva. Yeah, she's she's she is hilarious in the show. The show itself has actually made me chuckle more than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be one of these dumb teenage shows, but the jokes land pretty solidly. So I don't know. That's Rad. making me happy mainly because it's just a predictable, predictable, silly sitcom. Not that it's a bad show. It's just very predictable and silly. And if you're looking for some comfort, then and it still be sort of new for you, then I say watch it. I feel that. I mean, my meds are not dissimilar. I mean, I talked, I think the first or second episode, I talked about um, kind of a tweet surrounding the Schitt's Creek finale, but I didn't end up watching the last season. Mm. And that has been, Schitt's Creek is for me, one of the just kind of like, I know what this is. There's like four sets, there's seven characters, <laughs> and I like them all. You yeah, know, like, like four sets, huh? It's, it's great. I love it. It's not complicated by any means. But the final season, really, I was honestly worried. I was delaying watching it. I'm normally someone, if I like something, I like run towards it. And I was delaying watching it because I didn't want to say goodbye to it. I was like, I'm not ready. Um, I got ready. I did it. And it just, uh, it was a really beautiful ending. And I think I'm not always like this proponent of like sort of happy endings. And it it worked for me because I felt like it actually made sense in terms of these people character development and i think american sitcoms especially can draw things out so long that they're trying to get to 12 seasons so their characters do like up down up Mm -hmm. down around whatever because they can't go go into syndication right (laughs) and schitt's creek was like you know what we're gonna be done after six seasons because this is the where we want to end this and i thought it was great and i really loved it and um i found I just, it just made me so happy. It just, it was such a great, great little I can't wait to watch. Thank you for not spoiling anything for that. I I have not watched the last season of Schitt's Creek and I'm excited to finally be able to get started on it whenever it gets to Netflix because that's what I'm waiting on. (laughs) Yeah, we have a VPN. So I just switched to Netflix UK and it's all there. Okay, life hack. (laughs) I'll I'll text you afterwards. That's good. What's our homework this week? Um, All right. In the true essence of holding each other accountable, well, here's what I want y'all to do. I want you to pick a friend or somebody, I would assume it's a friend, but if it's not, maybe a therapist, um, that you feel comfortable with holding you accountable. You don't got to pick a thing yet for them to hold you accountable to. I just want you to think about somebody 
that you would feel comfortable with doing that. And then I want you to think about how could they support you? Again, you don't have to pick a thing and say, this is what I want them to do. But just think about the qualities of that person that A, made them come to your mind first and foremost. And then maybe how you're thinking of working with them as well. Um, And let's maybe start there. Originally, I was going to say, let's actually pick the thing and like, what do you need help with? But I I think think that's good to just establish. Yeah. Like, I think we all need to find that person for us or those people, right? It doesn't always have to be one person. It could be a group of folks, but yeah, let's just think about that a bit. Who do you feel comfortable with holding you accountable? Why do you feel that way? And then just think about how that accountability relationship would work. And again, I'm trying to get us out of this. You don't have to write everything down. Sometimes it's literally about just taking a second and meditating on it a bit instead of just running on autopilot for your entire life. And find, and just thinking about it and just reaching out. I mean, I think this is a great challenge. I, For me, I feel like I don't keep people around me that can't help keep me accountable mm. or that I can't offer that to. Like, that's just not the type of friendships I want to have going into my 30s. I just, like, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you are surrounded by a lot of people where that feels hard, maybe open up that dialogue with a friend to change that relationship which i also think and i mean we already did the work this is the last thing i'm gonna say about it (laughs) that also says a lot about you as a person and this is no judgment i'm just saying it says a lot maybe you want to explore it some not you maddie i'm talking about listeners Um, oh i was like bitch what (laughs) not coming for you um no listeners like i would i would really think heavy about this too if you can't identify that person or if you don't feel comfortable with somebody holding you accountable why not what is that about you know like why is it that you don't want to be held accountable for your actions and maybe explore that a bit i'm just saying because there are people out there that i'm sure will say like i don't need to be held accountable or i don't want to and it's just like well what's that about you know and i'm not i'm not judging it at all because there could be a wealth of reasons why um but just think about it. And then, of course, as always, we want to hear about that experience, um, whether it's doing your homework, whether it's the meds you're taking that are making you happy and feel good, um, or if you just want to call us and rant for a bit, um, you can do that. You can leave us an email at qbtpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 971-220-8874. And uh, next week, we're going to be talking about youth and queerness and uh, the mental health of our queer youth based off of a voicemail that we received. So it definitely is going to help steer us. So please offer some stuff to us. We'd love to hear from you. You can follow us at QBTPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe and share and give us those five-star reviews, honey. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you to Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music. And as always, big thanks to Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing. Listen to her podcast, Trace Material, about the history and future of Girl, I don't know what we would do without you. So, Allie, thank you so much. And we love you, listeners. Uh, Bye, bye, (laughs) bye, 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 bye. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. (laughs) 